The following podcast may be explicit. Me. You're listening to Happy Jack's RPG Podcast, pursuing the RPG hobby with reckless abandon and beer. Thank you for joining us for Season 16, Episode 4 of Happy Jack's RPG Podcast. My name is Stu. My name is Stork. And that's it. Uh, Just the two of us. uh, (laughs) Jesus there's sicknesses going on. Apparently, there's a movie out. I, I think that might be the sicknesses, actually. <laughs> I, apparently, the old uh, Force Awakens drops. Right. And right. I, I guess I in- guess that's more important than us. Maybe. It might be. Uh, I'm, I'm, ins- I'm assuming a lot. But yeah, yes. We had uh, a bunch of people lined up, and uh, it's just you and me again, it's just us. It's just, we've done this before, early on. Right. There was a couple of shows where it was just the two of us. Well, we woke up in bed together, and we're like, well, okay, I guess it's just us again. It's just us. Although I've invited a couple people, uh, but I haven't heard from anyone yet. If I do, then I'll I'll slip them in. Uh, <laughs> slip them in. Slip, you know, slip them in. Uh. <laughs> That's the best play. That was the best one. Yeah, right there. Right. Perfect. It's going to be one of those shows. Yeah. I'm a little tired, and you're a little tired. Uh, and... Plenty. It's been a hell of a week. So I you haven't say. seen Star Wars yet, either, have you? Uh, no, I, I, by the way, I must say, I congratulate you. Can you tell me you. now that you were working on it? No, I was working on Star Trek. I know, but I was... That was a while ago. I know, but maybe but maybe now you can say that you were working on Star Wars. Oh, uh, no, I, okay. I have never worked on Star Wars. It's issued in England. Oh, that's but right. But I have to congratulate you on your journey from being a complete Star Wars neophyte to being a, a you know, now you were like in line... For the movie, no, ready I'm to not go. in line for the movie, but I bought tickets. Yeah, for it's more than me. Next next week. D- and did you or did you not tear up when you saw the the trailer? No, you, you, your kids were there. You were playing the trailer, and you were like, "Oh no, yeah, I did, I did." Yeah. I, that, but yeah, when I when I watched Zachary said, "Daddy, we gotta go see this movie." I'm like, "Yeah, okay, I, I do remember being that kid in '77." Isn't that kind of it? I mean, it's really yeah. Star Wars is part of that whole zeitgeist. And I, it is. It occurred to me that my kids have never known a world where there was no Star Wars. Right. That's it's like become it's part of their entire being. It's part of their life. It's never going away. We are old. We remember well, no shit. a world before Star Wars. Yes. and A, it, a BSW. <laughs> before before, the, before well, we, we remember the time before the Battle of Oh, yes. <laughs> we remember, remember. there were only Wookiees and no Ewoks. <laughs> remember how much nerd rage there was over Ewoks when that shit, oh shit dropped? Oh, my God, you saw the it was, zippers. Like, this is the worst thing possible. Ever. Oh, my God. There are no oh. Muppets in Star Wars. And the sad thing is that that's... <laughs> if you watch the movies chronologically, it's the fucking Teddy Bear's Christmas. That's the end of the fucking I know. saga. You're like the sweeping epic saga, and it's all a bunch of teddy bears. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh. yeah. If you go into the woods today... So I'm I'm doing an experiment with the Star Wars movie. An experiment? I'm reading the book. There's a book? Mm-hmm. Novelization by Alan Dean Foster. Oh, I like Alan Dean Foster. I, know, not- I do, too. And that's one of the reasons I'm like, you know what? I've read a lot of his stuff. I'm going to get this. And you know what? George Lucas is a big fan of his, too, because the first Star Wars book ever written outside of the whole canon, it's like very, very first, was uh, 
A Splendor of the Mind's Eye, written by Alan Dean Foster. Really? And I didn't it, know that. Yeah, and it's still, I think it's available to read, but it's like, it was the first novel sanctioned by Lucasfilms, and it was Alan Dean Foster really? that was chosen, handpicked to write it. Well, he's a, he's a good author. I like him. He doesn't write much, does he? No, I don't think he, not anymore. He used didn't to be he quite write, prolific. He, didn't he re- do the, did he do the Humanx series? I remember was in, in my teens, he wrote a lot of sort of, I think, young sci-fi stuff. Him and Ben Bova were like, you know, they had all kinds of stuff. Remember Ben Bova? And Andrea Norton? Yeah, Nor Crystal Tears. Okay. Which is a fantastic book. Okay. I really enjoyed it. Uh, I read it, got it a long time ago. Very long time ago. Um, we're really old. Well, yeah. But it's a, it's like a... If I recall correctly, because it's been so long, it's like a uh, a first contact novel. Yeah, but it's like be. it's like humans met this alien race that was like super fucking scary, and this is all ringing a bell, and, and like just like all about I we are going to destroy every other sentient species in the galaxy, and then they meet this other race that is insectoid. This is all ringing a bell, and wow. the insectoid race is like, oh, you guys aren't trying to exterminate us. Oh, we're not you know what we're not trying to exterminate you either let's be friends because this other species that we've both met is like really fucking scary oh my god it's ender's game oh you never read it, it. i i've i've seen the movie mm. but it's called nor crystal tears and it's part of the humanx series okay which i the only reason i knew about that is because there was a gurps resource book for first edition called gurps humanx which had nice. all the ships and a lot of the planets and the different races and stuff but it was a very it was a very cool book because that the way he treated the, the the first time humans and this alien thranks i think they were called i don't remember what they're called all really but remember when wow. these two species met each other for the first time he like the way he described it was very not what you would expect from a science fiction writer it was like very emotional. His voice is that way. He's he's a real he's a real conversationalist writer, uh-huh. if I remember correctly. Yeah. And it's it's really accessible to young teens, I think. And that's maybe what his demographic is. I'm enjoying the the Star Wars book. I'm I'm reading it and I'm listening to the I'm doing the whisper sync thing on Amazon where I'm listening to it in the car yeah. and and then it updates my Kindle and wow. I can keep reading where I left off from the car. It's the best. Remember way to when read. you just used to sit down and, bed and, read, and read a couple of chapters? Yeah. Now it's like syncs with your car and stuff, and it becomes an entire. Well, I want to finish it before I see the movie. <laughs> okay. Well, All I right. figured. I, I'm, I'm assuming I'm gonna, you wrote it off the screenplay, so it's not. There's not going to be anything in it that isn't going to be in the movie, right? I, I would imagine. Okay. Well, no. I'm. There's going to be. I'm sure there's some stuff that's not. There's internal dialogue happening and shit like that. You're not. I'm assuming they're not going to. It's not going to be like Dune, where it's like, I wonder what he's thinking. Right. Well, <laughs> that whole Dune was unfilmable. Shit. I mean, for yes. the longest time. You know what? Who did the best job of it? Was Sci-Fi Channel. It was the Sci-Fi Channel. Mini-series. They did that. Like, it, cause I, I have it on DVD. It's like five or six DVDs. Yeah. That's a pretty good, pretty good representation. Well, effects caught up, and they also had took their time to tell this story. It's a big story. It's huge, and yeah. it works on like, I don't know, five different levels. It does. Yeah, try to do that in one movie. All right. So yeah, enough talk about that stuff. But yeah. I'm anyway. I'm reading the book. I'm about a quarter of the way in. Maybe no, nah, probably not that much. I'm just going to go in blind. Minutes. I've seen enough of the trailers and know enough. And... I figured I'm going to see a bunch of a bunch of spoilers, whether people want to do it or not. I started seeing one that some a hole put on Twitter that was like some little meme thing where someone's yeah. put, and I'm like, you know what? 
I know that that's got to have to do with something, and I'm reading the book, and yeah. you're going to piss me off. So I'm just going to finish it. That way it doesn't matter. Okay, I've seen, I've read the book. Not only have, have I read the book, I now know how to spell all of the characters' names. So fuck you. Phasma. <laughs> Not with an F. <laughs> uh, Jimmy Fallon did a great little mashup, like with the little boxing, with ba, 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 da, ba, 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 and it, it's him and his band. I, would, and then, I didn't even want to watch and he that. Brings in I'm all too these afraid stars. to watch that shit. No, it's really, it's actually really wonderful. I brought a tear to my eye. Gwendolyn Christie is my new hero. I Carrie Fisher. She's short. Gwendolyn Christie, six three. Awesome. I don't, I don't, I, I like them short. Okay, yeah, yeah. All right, you do have a type, don't you? <laughs> Actually, but, now that I think about it, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you have a type. <laughs> Gwendolyn, Gwendolyn Christie was like, I mean, not only was she the best in that whole thing, but she's just awesome. Yeah. I have to clean up my spill. Talk for a minute. Oh, my God. You actually spilled beer on your own rug. For the amount of shit that I've gotten for <laughs> spilling beer on your rug before, I feel so much more vindicated. But it's uh, it's worth watching. This uh, Jimmy Fallon. He, oh, Jimmy Fallon is loves music. I can tell. He's done yes. a lot of musical salutes. He's done a lot of really musical things. And for those of us that are music geeks... He's kind of a nerd, too, isn't he? He's definitely a nerd. And so this is where those two worlds combine. And I really liked it for that fact. I, uh, If you're a fan of the Poxy Boggers, if you like Poxy Boggers music, or you like music, watch Jimmy Fallon's stuff more often. He really does great stuff. His whole whip your hair back and forth done uh, with Neil Young and Bruce Springsteen, whip your hair, but inspired. Inspired. <laughs> Speaking of whipping your hair back and forth, <laughs> have I told you about my new favorite band? No. Um, I'm a little afraid. Baby Metal? <laughs> you don't no, know Baby Metal? I don't. Okay. Well, do you remember Lady Baby? Yes. Okay. Lady Baby is the two girls mm -hmm. and the and the death metal screamer. Right. Right. Yeah. With the Japanese. I think Lady Metal, or sorry, Baby Metal predates Lady Baby. <gasps> And it is hell you say because they've got a whole album out, whereas Lady Baby only has the one song on YouTube, right? As far as we know. It, well, I did a search. That's how I ended up finding Baby Metal. Okay. Baby Metal is three girls backed by a like a speed metal band. It's not really speed metal. It's like death metal, but sometimes but those motherfuckers can play. Is it Japanese again? It's of course, yeah, of course. All right. Yeah, it's Japanese. And they dress in like a combination of made outfits if they were vampires really yeah. <laughs> describe these outfits to me Stu. you gotta watch it you, you got it no no the, the video slower <laughs> you got the music is fantastic whoever they've got writing the music for them is awesome uh, now I, I have obviously can't speak to the lyrics because the lyrics are all in Japanese and in Japanese. It's in, it's, it's in Japanese and <laughs> that kind of stuff. That, and that's pretty much it. Oh, I hit the limiter pretty hard. But um, yeah, it, it, I, I've been listening to the album. There's like four or five songs on there. I'm like, those are fantastic songs. The way, I mean, just the writing and just the everything about them, just fantastic. Yeah, it takes you on a journey. It's all adrenaline, and it, you know the way it's laid out. But and it's I was texting. Right. I was texting someone. We know. I won't say who. But, but and 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 she's like, "Oh yeah, I've been listening to them for like a year." I'm like, really? <laughs> How did you discover them? Because you, you don't you don't go around right. and like, oh look, it's lady metal or baby metal. What baby metal? Is this somebody I would suspect listening to baby metal? No, music? absolutely not. <laughs> I, I well, I don't think so. But I thought it was pretty funny. I'm, so I'm a big fan. Check it out. 
Aligning themes with player expectations from Ben in Texas. Oh, if you'd like to email us, you can email us at happyjacksrpg at gmail.com. That's happyjacksrpg at gmail.com. We're on the tweeters. Uh, that's it. Ha- um, happyjacksrpg, all one word. You and can find us if you Google us, too. You can Google us if on you, the Google. If you Google happyjacksrpg.org, we're the first one that comes up. And if you... Last time I checked, if you <laughs> if you put in RPG podcast at one point, we were the second thing on Google. Uh, what was the first? RPGpodcast.com. Uh, which is being squatted by somebody. In no, like, no. Like it's, it's, uh, it's actually a, a directory of RPG podcasts. Oh. Yes. Where are we on that directory? We're in there. Oh, okay. But I mean, not at the top, <laughs> but but we're the second link. The second link is Happy Checks RPG Podcast. At least nice. it was. I don't know if we are right. anymore. Um. If, if you're you on the Google Pluses, you can watch us live, like those guys are right there. Right there. Right there. Uh, you can listen live. Is the Q&A up? It is. Uh, Since we're hostless, please feel free to ask questions. And oh, yeah, ask questions. Yeah. And if you ask good enough questions and you want to come on the show, hey, I might do that, too. Whoa! <laughs> Unprecedented. <clears throat> I'm looking. It might be a call-in show. Because I've, I've, I've texted a couple of people, well, one person, to see if you wanted to come on and... Uh, no response. So he's probably out seeing Star Wars as well. <sighs> or they're sick. Maybe. Salutations, Happy Jackers. Oh, and if you want to listen live, listen live at happyjacksrpg slash live. And that's on Friday nights, 8.30 p.m. Pacific time. Uh, and I think it's going to stay that way for a while. Although I am going to want to switch it back to Saturdays at some point. I'm not sure when yet. Yeah. Um, no show next week. Because that's Christmas Day. I'm not doing a show on Christmas Day. And we'll be watching Star Wars. Uh, I'm, it's Christmas Eve. Oh, Thursday. Okay. I on Thursday. Uh, the next week, however, which is January 1st, I think we're going to do a show. On New Year's? Tyler's down here, and he signed up. All on right. the 1st. All right. We'll I'm see. just saying. Is there so, a party? <clears throat> here? Yeah. The night before. Okay. Uh, th- wait, yeah, yeah, yeah. The first party's is on New thir- Year's, Thursday New Year's night. Eve. So on the first, I mean, Tyler's. I don't know how, how Tyler's going to find parking. We live in fucking Pasadena, right? On I think he knows New Year's Day. Oh, but you know that's much late. That's in the evening. Maybe he's just planning on passing out on your couch that. and then waking up and doing the podcast. He could be. He could be. Anyway, there's that. So. Uh, Sneezy. Salutations, Happy Jackers. Ben from Texas here. I wanted to thank you for the medley of Southern accents in my previous email. Much obliged. That was Bill. Bill, like, did all of, I think, the Southern Hemisphere. He was pretty much the entire Confederate Army. I, I don't want to argue or rehash the discussion for that email, the subject of which was not playing your dump stats. I did want to clarify, though, that I don't advocate player... player playing characters without flaws, but rather I think that dump stats are sort of a clumsy way to represent them. Okay. Uh, I'm writing because I have recently been experimenting, begun experimenting with running games thanks in large part to some of the great advice I've heard on Happy Jacks and a few other RPG podcasts. Thank you kindly. Hit the right one. Oh, thank God. I got the right one. I was, it was the, I was going to be like, no. Badass. There it is. (laughs) I still have them on my soundboard. Um, I could use a bit of advice. I'm thinking of running a campaign set in a steampunk world that revolves around the idea of automata. Automata? Automata? I don't know. Automata with you. (laughs) (laughs) 
Uh, automata? Yeah, I think that's it. He says automata. automata From, when you put in words like this, put in. Tell me what, what where to put the accent. Come on. Uh, uh, <laughs> what Automa- are you doing? Automatopia. We'll get Tyler. Yes, Mister Man of War. We will get Tyler amazingly drunk and do a great show. <laughs> he's he's yes. Tyler's best when drunk. <laughs> yeah, yes. Uh, uh, automata. Uh, <laughs> automata. I think that's automata. It. No, it's spelled automata because automata is. But it, Automata. No, it could be that would be spelled the same. Let's too. say automata because that's I think what automata. He replacing okay, automata. Replacing. I don't think that's right. This is bugging me. Finish reading it. You'll realize automata. Atom. Automata. Root alert says automata. Automata. It's spelled A U T O M A T A. How would you pronounce it? Automata. That's how it's spelled. No hyphen. <laughs> automata. I'm going to pronounce it automata. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> <laughs> Replacing on. traditional war machines and a mountain-sized steampunk-style supercomputer that develops an artificial intelligence. Okay, that's cool. That's like awesome. That. Love I love it. it. Yes. Can you have artificial intelligence with mechanical switches? Yes. Uh, I suppose you... if it can flip them itself. Did you... Yes. Uh, 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 Oh, they, yeah, I guess that's... You would have to have really, really big uh, paper spools that went through and flipped things, I guess, right? With like well, it a, has to like, be able like to flip them itself. Hmm. Either it's going to have to be able to punch a hole for a paper thing that can flip it later, or it has the ability to flip it itself. That, that would be necessary. Yeah, I was busy thinking like... Um, uh, Captain America: Civil War, where everything's on tape. That I've, uh, yeah, I was, I was Captain Z- uh, Baron Zemo, where he was all on. Right. On so, if someone could do that, does that mean someone could build inside of Minecraft an AI, oh, a mechanical I AI? Think that inside. may have happened. <laughs> well, someone awesome. built computers. Yes, they, they built like yes. like eight bit computers inside of Minecraft. Yep. Um, there's a, there's that's, a, that's so awesome. A, Minecraft's so a, amazing, and a mountain-sized steampunk style supercomputer that develops artificial intelligence. The idea was that a super intelligent computer in charge of programming an army of automaton automaton, so it's automata automaton I thought we agreed on this. Automaton soldiers would be terrifying and pose intellectual and moral challenges for the characters. Yes. The trouble comes when I was pitching the idea to the to a player, and he asked the question, "Can I play an automaton with an artifact with artificial intelligence?" Uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh. <laughs> wah, wah. Exactly. Oh. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I need a, I need a you wah, need the wah wah, wah. trombones. Wah, 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 wah. I'm That's sure I've got it. one that Jerry did during a recording. Um, sure I don't. That even... wasn't just Jerry recording. It, no, I have Jerry. Re... <laughs> Sorry. I don't know how to even keep playing th- with this. If I say yes, then it ruins the big reveal that the supercomputer is sentient. I don't like saying no because saying no is bad and stuff. The real problem, though, is that I can tell from the question the whole reveal for the. Super- Supercomputer with the, is an AI is going to fall flat. Yeah, dude. Yes, it is. I hate to break it to you, but they've already assumed that. They already know. They know. At they least know it's it's hyper intelligent computer. They do. 
It's it's. Is it my duty, and this is kind of what I want to talk about. Okay. Is it my duty as a GM to re-envision the setting in a way that matches this player's expectations? What would you do? Keep on jacking. Ben from Texas. P.S. Some emails last session mentioned a one-shot podcast and campaign podcast, but I don't think they were properly plugged. These two podcasts are some of my absolute favorites. Set uh, Campaign is set in the Star Wars Edge of Empire RPG system that you've expressed interest in recently and started an actual play. Uh, you may find their podcast informative in learning the system. They also collaborate with other podcasts, etc., and do play tests of indie games, such as Moment of Truth, Gwink. Moment um, of Truth? Uh, which I'm I think, working I think on a revision truth, over right now. I think Moment of Truth should always be asked as a question. Moment, Moment of, of truth. truth, Wink. It's like a Swedish. Uh, and link oneshotpodcast.com. I, I, I need to take this moment here before we launch into this yes. to say that if you, as a listener, are listening and hearing other voices, you're not having a stroke. Oh, yeah, we should mention that. There is a vampire game going on in the next room. Yeah. Stu has, has expanded his media empire, and not only are we doing a live podcast right now, but we're also recording an actual play. In okay. Studio One, we're recording a podcast. <laughs> That's right. But in Studio Two, there's a lot, there's an actual play going right. on. That's of, right. A vampire V20. So if you hear a little spillover, it's, uh, yeah, that's what that is. Right. And the media uh, empire is actually now an empire. And that would be Kurt, and he's running a vampire yeah. game. Kurt's, that's Kurt's all we know game. about it right now. Uh, it's a fantastic idea for a mm-hmm. game. Uh, I won't say what it is because I think he's going to run it at the con. Awesome. Um, but it's a fantastic idea for a game. Okay. Uh, and he's got one of the best props I've ever seen. I can't say anything about it. Good. After don't at, the, at he's running it at the con before the show, so at the show we can talk about it because cool. yeah he stepped up and that's going to be speaking of which the con is in uh, February February twelfth no twelfth thirteenth fourteenth and fifteenth Valentine's twelfth thirteenth fourteenth and fifteenth yes because Valentine's is a Sunday I think. Uh, and we'll be there, and we're going to do the show at 8 p.m. on Saturday. There we go. If you're going to be there. All right, so the topic. Oh, by the way. Oh, by the way. Um, rude alert, I've always been an emperor in my brain. Uh, <laughs> yeah, he said I'm an emperor now. Since I have an empire, I, I'm an emperor. Well, yeah. Um, he, he doesn't know you. No. <laughs> I'm like I'm, Napo- I'm like Napoleon, but a little tall. No, no, you're like you're like Dr. Doom without the armor. <laughs> and better looking. Um I'm Napoleon with worse gas, but not as bad as Hitler's gas, because apparently Hitler had terrible gas. He was a vegetarian. Back in the day when it wasn't vegetarian friendly, living in Germany where they boil everything. Yeah, so so he's needing nothing but cabbage. Right. <laughs> um, <clears throat> I forgot what I was saying. God damn it. Uh, let's see here. Media Empire, Vampire, uh, topic, uh, by the way, let me, uh, the con. Oh, uh, fair ends two weeks before GameX now. Did you notice that? I did. I did. So Teardown Weekend is now not Memorial Day Weekend. I'm not sure, but I might go to that con now. I, I, okay. You're not, you're, no. I I just think that we're going to find one more weekend that we need to, to do to come out to fair to Absolutely not. Up. I won't, no. We'll just, we'll just do it like we do... Every I know, year, I know, and that and they may have to be completely vacated by then too. Uh, okay, because they usually have to they, that next weekend they got to be out. I don't trust them. Please. <laughs> oh, you think they're going to yeah. extend? Yeah, <laughs> El Nino year. Yeah. <laughs> Even though they said there are no rainouts, remember the the one the one email we have with giant exclamation? You know, right. There are no rainouts. I have a feeling there might be one. This well, year. It, they're from the Midwest and they haven't experienced an El Nino yet. Right, but they know rain. 
they claim. They know it's different. Yes, we, it's have, different. we have literally tropical storms that come and dump buckets. <laughs> I grew up in the Northwest where it would sort of drizzle for like six right. months straight. And I came down to California and did not know rain until like you walk out and it's like somebody took a bucket or a dishwasher and dumped it over your head for an hour and a half. Right. It's, it's unbelievable. Yes. And and none of our systems are set up to deal with no, it. No. Because it only that, happens like once a That's why they call it the LA River. I'm like, well, there's no river there. And when, then when it rains, if you remember we were like years ago, I think it was maybe one of the first Boggart rehearsals. So it's a, probably 20 years ago. Mm-hmm. A big storm came through and you used to live right next to like the, the storm drain. Right. Yeah. And we went out and it was full. That it was, was like during the El Nino. Six inches at the top. And we're watching yep. like, like shopping carts. Oh, and yeah. Homeless people. <laughs> Palm trees and cop cars washed down the thing. We it's, were like, it was it, we, crazy. We stopped rehearsal to go look at it. And then, in, and I don't know, maybe 20 minutes later, it was empty again. Right. It was crazy how much water went through that area that quickly. Yep. Anyway. Uh, so I might, I might be at the con. Maybe. But may, who knows? Maybe not. Maybe a little rain. Um, how do you keep the integrity of your campaign concept and still let players play the characters they want? Let's talk first specifically about his problem. This guy basically said, I want to make a character that's going to be your big reveal. And he's, right. And in an earlier time, the GM would probably say, no, you can't do that. No. And then have the big reveal. And like, dude, that's a character I wanted to play to begin with. Right. right. So clearly, your big reveal... It's not going to, you're absolutely right. It's going to fall flat. Well, I think that they already know. I think they already have figured out that that computer is already sentient and it's orchestrating things. I don't think, I, I don't think you're thinking big enough, personally. I, I think, I think they've already figured out, oh yeah, so it's going to be sentient. It's a supercomputer. I got that. So what's next? So, Put a twist in it. Put a twist in it right. so that it's not actually a giant supercomputer the size of a mountain. Right. There's a dude inside there. It's fake. It's like the what's the um, Wizard of Oz? No. Well, kind of. <laughs> but there's a um, there was a chess machine that was, was supposedly a clockwork chess machine, but a long time ago, a couple hundred years ago. Yeah. And there was, and they find. I, I don't remember where I heard about it. It might have been on on Skeptoid. Um, there was a guy that f- could fit inside this thing, who was a chess master. And he used levers or something, but the, as far as anyone know, knew the thing, and, and, and it's hundreds of years old. I can't remember what it was called, the Sultan or something like that. That sounds familiar. But it, it was a machine that could play chess. I'm sure the Mechanical the, Turk, yeah. There it the is. The Mechanical Turk. Sultan Close, yeah. Yeah. Um, maybe it's something like that. Maybe it's not actually an AI. Maybe it's a, guy, it's a whole thing's a hoax. I like that idea a lot. Uh, what I was going to say to him was dealing with your character. Just take a cue from iRobot and make him unique. He's separated from the AI. He's 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 an experiment. He's well, a he's one-off. not talking about the player. He's talking about what do I do with my campaign? No, I now. I know that. But right. to make it, to make your character unaware of what's going on with the AI, make him a one-off. He's a prototype that escaped or something went wrong. So he's not connected to the AI. So he doesn't know what the AI's plots are or plans are. Right. That that leaves you free to develop your AI however you want. I do agree that it needs to be a twist because I guarantee your players have already gotten to that point before they even started. Well, clearly when there's a PC We've, that is the same concept as as your as your big bad as you, as your big bad that's going to be the huge reveal. He's kind of taking the wind out of your side. We've all seen 2001. We've all seen Matrix. I think and they already know. But uh, okay, if, 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 to fix this, how do you how do you put a twist on that? Well, uh, like you just make it a hoax. I mean, there's a lot of different things you can do. 
I think what I kind of want to talk about is more generally how how can you avoid stuff like this happening? How can you when you're one problem is when you're presenting to the players here's my pitch for the campaign idea. I personally think you need to start with the constraints on what the player what, what player characters are. So like when I run my Star Wars game, it's going to be okay. I'm going to run an edge of empire flavored game. Everyone is people trying to eke out a living in the outer rim. Okay, start with that. I have to say you are very very vague on your story plots whenever yeah. you have to run a game. Well, they're actually very specific about what characters are. Yeah, that's I'm going to get to the second point. There's a reason for that. So always give the players, when you're pitching a game, I would give them the character concepts first. The characters are this. They're, you know, people who are down on their luck or, you know, in, 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 if you're talking about a steampunk game, um, they're all like middle class or lower middle class people, whatever, you know, whatever your concept is to kind of, Give them an idea of where kind of where their character is going to be coming from. Give, give us an example of how you pitched the vampire game to us. Uh, well, in the vampire game, I don't remember exactly what I said. Now, in the vampire game, it's like you all um, basically owe fealty to a lord on an island off the coast of Southern California. Yeah, that's right. And you um, are. I don't think I gave you a cap. I said relatively. Young and or inexperienced vampires. You did kind of give us a cap because when I went past it, you said, "No, I want you guys to be within this range, right, yeah, range." Which you then said, but yours then, was that was, was age, not it was an age issue, but, all, but but it got me to a generation that was probably a little much. And you basically said, "No, this is the cap," and that's fine because. But you kept control of it, but it was very character oriented. So I'm I'm reinforcing what you're saying. So carry that's, on with the character. The second thing is. It's okay to have kind of an idea of what your story is going to be. <clears throat> it's much better to have a very vague idea of what your story is going to be. And then look at the player characters, because the characters they make are going to kind of tell you the kind of story they would like to be in, the kind of game they would like to be in. The game changed dramatically after the character generation for Vampire. Oh, did it? Yes, absolutely. I had no because idea. Because I had two incredibly wealthy, powerful characters. Yes, you do. Which I did not have before. Okay. I was looking more at characters like yours. Right. And like Tim's, a guy living in the sewers. Right. Trying to eke out survival. And now suddenly, oh, I've got two, you know, millionaires. Yeah, two Tony Starks living with their in the own same island. With their yeah. own buildings. They right. Do. Yeah. And and I think to sit to to let the players know ahead of time. Okay, here's here's your constraints, and then to have a vague enough idea where once they make the characters, even within those constraints, <coughs> you're gonna have surprises. Then as a GM, you can stop and say, okay, it, did my ideas survive character generation? All right, because maybe it did. did it? Yes. Okay. I know you can't but talk it, about it, but it, I just... but it changed it. Okay. It changed it. What I was planning on doing definitely changed from what I ended up doing in a lot of ways. But the basic basics of it is still the same, but it did change. Yes. 
Um, and I, and I think that's kind of important. Same thing happened when I ran the online GURPS game. Um, yeah. I made an adventure that was going to be a let's go out and explore this continent adventure. And in all of the characters that I got back from the players all have contacts within the city. They've got allies within the city. They've got enemies within the city. All of their ads and disads are all wrapped around um, the city that yeah. they're in. And like, oh, if I have them leave, all of their advantages are gone. That'd be a big move. It'd be, it'd be an ass. Yeah. So I threw out the adventure, kept the same world, but just concentrated on that city rather than on sure. this, this. We're going to do a big exploratory thing. And I think you have to be flexible. I mean, it. I understand. I've said. I know I've said this before, and no, I don't think and people just don't believe me. The big, huge. When you base a campaign, a whole campaign on one twist or one cool thing, it's always going to be anticlimactic. Yeah. What is the book? Um, Game Night uh, by Johnny Nexus. Is that a, not his real name? That's not his real name. <laughs> uh, I don't think it is. Well, I don't know if it's his real name. Really? He used to do a live name, Johnny he used to Nexus. Do a, there used to be a, a really funny um, a blog. Blog, I guess? Or online zine, maybe? Zine! <laughs> um, called critical-hits.com, I think. Wow, Stu, you are having amazing recall. You Matt? must be taking pills. I, you remember this? No, uh, vaguely. Bill, yeah, Bill, Bill told me about it, or I told him about it, and both of us would read it. And it was basically this guy writing about his games in in the form of like a little like online zine, and it was fucking hysterical because they're just like typical kids doing. I think it was they're English, but doing the horrible shit we all did yeah when we were playing games and it was just fun to read well he ended up writing a novel called um game night and the story is about the characters but it's also about the players yeah, johnny nexus does kind of sound like a sci-fi and porn name you're right yeah absolutely <laughs> thank you rude alert um and it, it it kind of switches back and forth between the characters and the players, but they're not the players. They're the gods of the world, of, of the setting, right? Okay. They're the pantheon. Sure. Um, and it, through the course of this book, the GM has come up with this one little twist that's going to make everyone go, oh, my God. And of course, that's not what happens. And I laughed so hard because I've done exactly the same thing, and it always happens that way. We all do. We all we all think we're being so brilliant, right. and our players beat us there. It's like I'm going to have this like big wasteland, and then I'm going to like uh, the players are going to level up, and they're going to go there, and you give them the map, and go, well, we're going to go right there. You're like, but uh, but that was the big oh shit. Or not even that the players beat you to it, but when you do it, finally they're like, well, that's it. That's it. That's your what? Really? Oh, oh, that's nice. So anyway, back to the tavern. <laughs> so, you, you mean, so this orc we were You mean the 2,000-volt ghost was really the innkeeper this whole time? Oh, and okay. I think part of the problem with these big reveals and, this, and all of this big stuff is it always happens independent of the player characters. It doesn't need the player characters to be there. 
Yes. Which means for the players, I don't think it has that much significance. And, and it smacks of contri- controversy. It's contrived. It's a whole... Yeah. It's a... Dun-dun-dun-dun-dun-dun. And you know, the players are like, uh, yeah, so you had this whole thing whether we were here or not. Yeah. Yeah. So I think whenever... you, If you're going to have a big reveal or something like that, don't get your hopes up that the players are going to be as floored by it as you were when you came up with it. Because it's just not going to happen. It just doesn't work out that way. At least not in my experience. Those best things happen. They happen best when you literally come up with them on the fly, like Bill did with the Star Wars game. Right. Which is like, uh, yeah, it's the Idiot's Array. And suddenly everybody's like, no! Oh! Right. It's a... Uh, it be- it- you have to you have to be kind of quick, and you have to figure out a way to like slip those things in. But that's when it becomes really interesting because all of a sudden you've slipped in a twist into their narrative, right? Instead of you shoehorning your narrative into their story, right? Because the players may go down a path that makes the big reveal that you're going to have maybe not even relevant, right? So, right? Uh, yeah, yeah. I mean that's. Not always the best plan. And if you are going to have a big reveal, I would have it in the first couple sessions. I mean, the the only times I've ever seen it get pull off where it works really well is at like game cons. Yeah. When you're doing a one shot. Yep. If you do a one shot and you have an idea, I mean, uh, Jib ran a game where all the players' characters were ships, and yes. then. Kimmy ran a game where all the player characters ended up being dragons, I think. Yes. Something like that. Or droids. Or, or, or stuff like that. Yes. Someone knocked on the door. I think so. Come in. Is it locked? Oh, yeah, it's locked. Oh. Go ahead. I'll keep talking. All right. But uh, to, to your point about to the the whole um, uh, trying to shoehorn in an experience. What? Oh, it's it's Kurt. Hi, hi, Kurt. <laughs> <laughs> They're all laughing at the GM. He's like, they, "Let uh, me in." I forgot there was a security lock on my door. There is. Uh, I totally forgot what I was going to say. I had a point. That's all right. Uh, I think we be, we beat this to horse. Did... Sorta. There. Were... <sighs> I actually had something relevant. Oh well. Kurt came in and you left and yeah. Sorry, it fell out of my head. It'll hit, come back to me hit. at the end of the game. We're into the show. Curse Kurt's bladder. Do <laughs> uh, you want to read the next one? A response sure. from Punk Monkey's email from Allervert. Top, uh, yeah. Allervant. Yeah. <sighs> Doesn't that sound like a drug, Allervant? Something for like high blood pressure? Allervant may cause anal leakage. <laughs> <laughs> Do not take Allervant if you are on SSRIs. <laughs> Do not take Allervant after a long night of drinking. It may cause <laughs> anal leakage. <laughs> <laughs> it may it may promote thoughts of suicide and homicide and murder. I have a jumping response. off of tall buildings. I need to stop this now before we all get called into <laughs> HR, and we don't even have an HR. Uh, I have a response to Punk Bucky's email. In his message, he was frustrated with one of his players for asking for a quote plot train. Woo woo! People have fun in different ways. Some it's it won't you can't undo you it. You can't un- not unlock that. Yeah, <laughs> I'll give you the code though. Read it out over the air. No, the dog. No, will let absolutely you in. not. The dog no. I'll, I'll, um, I'll write it out. I'll keep right. I'll keep reading. Go Carry ahead. on. There is nothing wrong with wanting some structure. Some of us don't find it fun to be given so many unspoken and unknown options that leaves you with no idea of what to do and 
this is not the fault of the player. The player just has a different style they enjoy. I have faced this situation as a player. For years, the GM would give me a series of plot hooks. I would do everything I can to think of to move the story forward, but nothing worked. Then the GM would give up and hand me another hook and abandon the old one. Punk Monkey should be happy his players are speaking up so much. I wish I did and said something more then. I have no idea what to do next. If my player wasn't the only one around, I probably would have quit long ago in frustration. If he had given me some indication I was making progress or even said, why don't you ask with the other players or ask the other players for help early on the campaign, I w- it would have made a big difference. Now players don't always... New players. New players don't always know what they're allowed to do and what is wrong. And, and it was wrong for Punk Monkey to make assumptions to try to force the players to change. Unfortunately, I still have the problem as recently... As recently, the GM had me go, okay, right, I'll try that again. The sentence didn't make sense when I was originally. Unfortunately, I still have the problem as recently the GM and me going around in circles in investigating a murder mystery that only resulted in confirming what I already knew. I had to have a long talk with the GM in order to advance the story. He's just starting to understand that making things too difficult for me is in no way, shape, or form fun. I don't know if that makes me a poor player or just one who doesn't find frustration enjoyable. Thanks for listening. Allervent. P.S. Next time you go to the beer store, look at the wall for craft beers and try to pick new ones. Uh, try to pick a, out a new brand. That's what the player was facing. Uh, if you've never had beer before. Right. Well, Or you're <clears throat> overwhelmed by all the options. Well, but you, but you could look at it and say, well, I like IPAs. What other IPAs are there? Or, if you go to like- BevMo and you go, you go to the IPA section, you're like... Holy shit, there's so many plot hooks here. That's a candy story. It's It's a candy story. I would love it. To to me, that wouldn't be a problem. But I can see how for some people it might be. It is. I I get vapor locked. But if I've never had beer before, they say, oh, go in and buy a beer at BevMo. Mm -hmm. There's uh, Which one? What's the wrong one? There's an entire store full of beer. Right. Pick one. Um, So, I, 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 I... his point is valid. I I see what he's saying. I mean, uh, you know what? Here's the problem. <clears throat> As a GM, if I have a whole table of people who are waiting for the plot train, I want to shoot myself because I've had it. I've had that happen before. Not recently, have you? Oh yeah, you yeah. have. Yeah, you have. And <laughs> it it fucking kills me. It, it's because I I don't like putting down railroad tracks. I'm like, hey, here's a problem. You tell him. Do you tell me how you're going to solve it? Okay. You, you. This is a collaborative thing. I understand. You, you you. I'm the GM. So I I. But do I actually have to say? Okay. Now you're going to go over here. Now you're going to talk to this guy. No. At some point, you need to take initiative of your character. And I will. I mean, I can help players do that. And I certainly. I think I know how to. But but when you get people who are super super passive, and if they don't see a clear path, won't think of anything. I find that incredibly frustrating. I stop having fun. It becomes a chore for me. Now it's like okay, well, as a GM, as a GM, I need to have fun too. Okay. <laughs> I mean, I do because there's th- when I read this, I think there's two there's two things going on. Right. One of them is the GM is throwing plot hooks out, and unless you follow the breadcrumbs exactly, 
you're not getting the clues, which is a fault in the GM. That was not. It's implied. It's not that, said. But, that, but his original email that did not sound like what was happening. Okay, that's. It true. sounds like I, he, I, the, the guy, because I remember, I remember specifically in the email. The, the guy said, well, I'm going to go out and see if I can try to find some work. Okay, what kind of work are you going to try to look for? And the guy vapor locked. Yeah. Like, what? No, you tell me what jobs there are and I'll pick which one I want. Well, are you going to go to the dock and look for, for work from a, a, a ship owner? Are you going to go to the merchant? And I mean, where? give me a little hint here. What kind of work you want to, to do? <laughs> see what I'm saying? Yeah. That's not... That's not a that's not a bad GM thing at all. No, no, I'm speaking to Punk Monkey's experience here, where he says, "For years, the GM would give me a series of plot hooks. I would do everything I can to move the story forward, but nothing worked. Then the GM would give up. Okay, and well, hand he me might, another hook. Well, he might have that. He might have one of those GMs where who who figures the whole story out in advance, and if you don't, that's exactly what I'm saying. Fit, you know, he, he would, he, and if you didn't pick up the breadcrumbs in the right order, he didn't advance the story. Right. So that's one part of the problem. The other part of the problem is that I, I think that he isn't a sandbox of GM, right? At least Punk Monkey's GM at this point. Now, that takes a specific person. So you're unique in the world. You actually love it when you show up and you have a vague idea of what's going on, and people will then invent the story as they go along. Right. And you're not afraid of that. Well. But most of the people out there are. It's I a think terrifying. I thing. think all of us as GMs and players, the GMs determine what the bad guys do. The players determine what the good guys do. Speaking of good and bad being NPCs versus PCs, right? Right. So I should have no opinion about what will and won't work until it's tried. Sure. That's the way all GMs should GM. Uh, this is I'm, I'm going to put out a a one true way statement. <laughs> okay. If if I've given you a problem, chapter one. Right. If I've if if bad guys are in Castle X and you have to break into the castle and get them or get the seven keys of Ventusler or whatever it is, I will design the castle. I will figure out where the guards are. Mm-hmm. I'll figure out where the doors and windows are. There if might even guard be a secret entrance. There might be. I'll figure all that stuff out. What I won't figure out is how you're getting in. Right. You're going to figure that out. That's your part of the game. I've right. already done my part. Right. So, and if they decide to go through the front door, you have guards there for it. Right. Figure out a way to get past the guards. Right. I'm gonna get back, I'm gonna get what do you mean the there's guards there? Well, well he has a cat. Of course, there's guards there. Why would you? Yeah, you're a mean GM. Figure you put it out. guards in front of the door. Yes, figure it out. And yeah. it, you, you want to come up with something I didn't think of? Fantastic, Fantastic. right? Oh, you're gonna dig? Oh, oh, I didn't think of that. Obviously, I do now because someone did that once. <laughs> but, <laughs> but I mean, you you can't. And it's almost like they're arguing on about two different problems. That's exactly what I was said. That's yeah. how I prefaced that. Right. And I, I think, I think that when you be, when you become an advanced GM like you are, you are not afraid of having your players completely pull the carpet out from underneath you. 
You are not afraid of setting up a structure, because, and you trust your structure. You you trust the skeleton. You trust the <coughs> outline you've made. Sometimes it works out that way, and sometimes <laughs> it works out that way. And 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 you are thrilled when your players take a right turn, and it turns into a much more interesting story than the one you have planned. I don't think most people are that advanced, that capable, that yeah. safe doing that yet. It's 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 a scary thing. It is, but you also. If you're not doing that, you're robbing the players of their character's agency. I, I completely get that. But what would you say to the GM that, that suddenly the players turned left and they're completely unprepared and now they're in uncharted territory? All their notes, all their shit doesn't make sense. Well, maybe some of it still has relevance. Maybe it's not What are they cling to? They're, 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 they feel like you they're take in a, a break. You take a break. You came up, if, if, unless you're running a module... You came up with the adventure. You have the capacity to come up with stuff. You have the capacity cr- to create. Give yourself a few minutes to sit down and figure it That's out. That's good advice, right? You came up with this original thing. Why can't you come up with more? Yeah, right. You're the you're the well font. You're the you're the fountainhead. Come up with more stuff. And the secret is, it doesn't have to all be gold because no. the players are going to have fun because their characters are part of this thing. See, the part of the all right, story. You know what? That's that should be chapter two right there. Yeah. That's that might be the secret, which is don't be afraid of sucking. No. And you may think that you suck, and at the end of the day the players come back and go, That was great, can we come back? And you're like Phew. I've had plenty of dodge the bullet of again. sessions where at the end of the <laughs> session I'm thinking, I don't know I don't know about that one and I ask the players and like, Oh, it was a blast. Like, right? Okay. <laughs> Because, I mean, you're not seeing it. The GM, you're seeing things from this sort of, like, top-down God view thing. Or you're constantly adapting to what the fuck they're doing. And, and trying to like, see if you can orchestrate some sort of or epic rescue. story. rescue. <laughs> I think, because I, I think that I would be spending a lot of time doing damage control. Oh, my God, they've completely straight up. Oh, my God, what can I do? How can I make this fun for them? And spending more time beating myself up, trying to make sure that they have a good time. Right. And not paying attention to the overall story you on the other hand will pay attention to the overall story and you're like you know what i'm confident enough that they're going to make their own decisions and i'm just going to keep throwing interesting things in their way right well i mean i think it's i'm at the point now like in the vampire game i'm at the point now where everything i I, what all i'm doing right now is what kind of wrench can i throw in okay that's the last game session (laughs) like i'm gonna throw in a big wrench i'm getting tired of being blown up you only got blown up once. No, well, uh, on camera. Off camera, I got blown It's twice now in like two months. When'd you get blown up in the second well, time? That's uh, my backstory. <laughs> you you did that to yourself. That's not me. I've only blown you up once, and it wasn't you, even that personally, bad. personally, right. I, okay, right. I blew myself <laughs> up once. You blew yourself and kept on me for that. <sighs> All right. Anyway, I, uh, I, I... Anyway, this actually speaks to I think another what this discussion actually speaks more to another email that might even be it, this I one. think it does yeah we had, we're getting good emails yeah right we are here, by the way Matt's cult and podcast recommendations from Linus oh oh wait what uh, I have a soundtrack for this you have to call up it up on uh, on your Gmail though <sighs> let me see if I can find it oh it's just you have a Gmail account it's yeah it's just Gmail it's a yeah, uh, Linus it's it's all forced it's all it's all dark side forced right now look at <laughs> uh, soundtrack for Linus's email. Yeah, that's the one. It's a YouTube. Is it going to wreck everything if I run it on oh, here? Shit, I don't know. I just it was all it's the only. Because it's going to stream video while I'm trying to stream out video. We'll see. 
If it kills anything, I don't know if it will. I don't think it should just plant its own window. Is it gonna? Is that it? No, that's a lightsaber. What is going There's on? There's the video. There it is. There it is. Yeah, that's it. It's coming up. All right, so Linus. All right. Is it your turn to read or mine? Oh, go, you go ahead and read it because you've obviously got something planned. No, this I, is, it's I don't something. have anything planned. No, wait a second. Hold on. This is... Is this going to... Is this going to like get, get us pulled off? Why is there a lightsaber? Oh, that's probably the... Um, I don't know. It's got to be in something in... Oh, it's from uh, Gmail. Okay. I don't think it's going to get us pulled off. No, it's... You know what? They're doing it with everything now. <laughs> every time every time you mouse over something, it makes a noise. Because you're in the dark side. Because I'm part of the dark side. <laughs> All right. Never mind. So hot. I don't know if it's going to get us... It's on the YouTubes. It's public... Yeah, it's not. Yeah. <laughs> Something's on YouTube. It's not in the public right. domain. And it's Trent Reznor. And I don't know if Trent Reznor's a litigious man or not. I just don't know. It's the immigrant song. That's all it is. That, that's copyrighted, I know for sure. All right. Because that's Led Zeppelin, right? Yeah. <sighs> it's oh, here, I'll do this. Ah! Go ahead. Yeah, every time I mouse over something, it makes that noise. <laughs> it's, that's annoying me. Sorry, I'm sorry. Yeah, I, I hate to disappoint you. That's, I'm disappointed. Go ahead. Oh, actually, up. this is my email. Linus here, writing in from Land of the Ice anyway. and Snow, from the Midnight Sun to the Lord of the Hot Springs <laughs> Below. I, You know what? I think we've already just infringed on the copyright. <laughs> I, I we can't right. play the video. We just read it. <laughs> we just read the That's it. Read sorry, we're, uh, we're closed. I think Trent Reznor is now going to sue us for reading an email by Linus. Keeping the Scandinavian email participation <laughs> going strong over in Vinland. Is that Finland? No. What's Vinland? Uh, actually, I thought it was the USA, actually. It was Vineland, Vinland. But this is Scandinavian. Well. And I think he is from Scandinavia. From what I heard, Vinland was what Eric the Red, like, when they landed in, like, like Lhasa Meadows up there in... No, well, keeping it strong over here, but I'm, but where's he from? I'm not sure. I don't remember. Sweden, maybe. I'll have to check. Anyway, carry on. Okay, I see what you're saying. So Vinland is us. That's what I think. Okay. I wanted to add a thought on the subject of maps. Maps. Um, another way to use them is as a handout for an in-game object in the possession of the player characters. You needn't worry about drawing yourself into geographical corners. As the, G as the GM, since there's little to no guarantee that the map is accurate beyond much more than the heavily traded routes and the position and the position of larger settlements. And you know what? When we Good point. And when we first did the first Eldemy game, Way back when, you handed us, like, a map that had, like, a mountain range and a couple of trees and, like, two towns. Right. And we were like, what, that's it? Yep. That's all you know. <laughs> and I don't know if you'd created the rest of the world yet, but that was, like, as far as the coastline got us. And that was enough. Right. And then as we moved around, you put in towns and stuff, and it sort of filled it out. It was kind of cool, but you know what? That's a legitimate point, which is like, dude, you're level one, two, maybe three. This is the area you know. Look at world maps from the 18th century. Absolutely, right? Everything is all weird and distorted and looks wrong. And and, and think about also that if you were the Portuguese and the Spanish had these trade routes and they did not share them. Oh, absolutely. And yeah. there were land masses out there they didn't know they didn't let anybody know they would like take routes, uh, circuitous routes to get there. So all of that stuff was highly secretive. So, yeah, 
You pretty much only knew what was in your area. What are you looking at? Someone what? wants to know, what is Stork, what is it you do for a living that would involve you in the movie industry? Do you want to say? Yeah. I, it's nothing He's a big. porn actor. Yeah, I'm a porn actor. <laughs> you can find my films. I'm, uh, I'm listed under Bolt Upright. Uh, it's good work if you can get it, but I, you know... As with every job, I find myself, like, at the end of the day, I'm like, Jesus Christ, i got to go to work again. <coughs> I had sex with, like, four women today, and i got to go get up again tonight and do it. It's just tired of hearing it. So I am. Um, you, just, you would just whine like a bitch. <laughs> <laughs> it's the anal sex scene instead of the roughest. <laughs> I'm getting paid, so... I got to smile and pretend like I enjoy it. But, you know, I'm a pro. I show up. I do my job. <laughs> and I get hazard pay for <laughs> So, look, if someone hires you to do the job, you go, yes, sir, I'm right? And you, you show up and you do it. And you take it like a Viking. Need an island? <laughs> What we do when we bust each other up like this and there's no one here to keep talking? I know. Jesus. Um, need an island? Just toss it into the game and let the players bicker whether or not they're lost or if the map is at fault. Heck, they might not. E there may not have even been an island there when the original map was drafted. Haven't heard of a cult? That's cult with a K before. It's basically Gnosticism the game. I, I thought Gnosticism was a philosophy or a religion. Uh, you know, it's, it's kind of, a, yeah, it's yeah. like an offshoot, I think. Okay. Or as the podcast, uh, The Good Friends of Jackson Elias put it, it's like Call of Cthulhu, but without the cheery optimism. Oh, it's definitely Scandinavian then. <laughs> yeah. Is it because it's so cold there? Is that why? It's a bleak country. Is it? Is it the? They're actually high, this, high o, fa, uh, omega three fatty acids uh, that cause the Scandinavians thing. are a beautiful people. They are unbelievably intelligent, and they have some of the most beautiful women on the sure. planet. They really right. do, and they have like the best of everything. But it is dark for much of the year, and uh, I think Sweden they were they couldn't drink in like all of Sweden, so they would have to go to Germany to drink. So what? Why? Because it's dark. Oh, you know what? It might be too cold to ferment shit. Uh, no, the Vikings never had problems with fermenting shit. I think it was just that people were getting drunk way too often for way too long. Oh, so like it was outlawed? Yeah. I, oh, yeah. really? I didn't know that. So they had like their own like prohibition? Well, there was a joke in Germany. It's like, you know, if, if there was a, a man in a suit throwing up in a, in a gutter or lots of them, they were Swedish businessmen because they would have to go to Germany to go get hammered. It was kind of like... It's almost Sweden like, saying was like all Mormon, of Utah. It's, it's like the old yeah. Mormon jokes. Yeah, yeah. But why, you should always take two Mormons with you when you go fishing. Why is that? Because if you take one, he'll drink all your beer. It, that, exactly. Because <laughs> like, for a while, I think Sweden My was apologies like a dry country. Now, I, I could be wrong. I'm sure there's nuances involved. But I, I know that the, the when I went to Europe in the 80s, the Swedes Vikings were Vikings would outlaw drinking? Well, what the because well, how come that's not been in Sweden Vikings had like the series. highest suicide rate in all of Europe, and they had to figure out why. And it's like because it's dark most of the year, and people were getting drunk and jumping right. off bridges or going out and freezing to death. Well, I, so I, I, I've I've also read that Russia is like one of the most drinkiest places on the planet. Well, y wouldn't you? Sure. <laughs> They're also great at home brewing vodka. 
So a lot of innovation. Man, that's dangerous. Um, like Call of Cthulhu, only yeah, without, without the cheery optimism. I love that. Which in turn gives me an excellent opportunity to kill two birds with one hyperlink. You can check out the show. Nate, this isn't going to be giving JRR token another hand job, is it? No, no. Okay, no, no. It's check out the show by listening to their episode on cult. Just follow the link. I hope Stu will add to the show notes. I will try to. I will try to do that. Um, it's a show about Call of Cthulhu horror films and horror gaming in general, and it's well worth a listen uh, if you like or, or like any or all of those things. Blasphemous tomes, t o m e s dot com. I'll put that in the show notes. Yeah. Uh, cheers and holiday greetings, Linus. P.S. Take a drink. Right there we go. Conflicts from Yokiman. Yok Yok. Yeknam. Yek- That's monkey backwards. You figured it out. I, I was figured it out last week. I was trying to make this into like a big reveal, and you were like, "It's monkey backwards." See what I told you about reveals? Yep. 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 Monkey backwards. Dan, monkey backwards on the forum. <laughs> writing in. <laughs> sorry for the long email, but with your mail stacks sacks. Sorry, with your mail sacks having been somewhat light in recent weeks, I figure I can get away with a one long-winded message this time. I'm counting on this being the time of year when many of us gamers will be busy writing letters to Santa Claus, mm-hmm. who, by the way, bears a striking resemblance to Gary Gygax, and just so happens to possess a bag of holding. What the fuck? And how suspicious that he uses it to reward children who adhere to his specific alignments. How does he manage to visit all of those houses in one night? You cannot have a meaningful Christmas if strict time records are not well kept. <laughs> Sir, I applaud you. No, no, that that is. Oh, you applaud this you is. Too. I think he's onto something. He's definitely onto something. <laughs> Gary Gygax is Santa fucking Claus. It makes perfect sense. He probably is. I get it now. Anyway, I wrote in on season fifteen, episode eleven. Oh yes. I remember Good that. times. I Good was times. here for that. Yeah, me too. Uh, about how insane I was to have signed up to run two games at a gaming convention, having limited GM experience and no convention experience whatsoever. Well, I, re- I remember this. This is a recap of that convention. But before I get into the games I ran, Dogs in the Vineyard and Legend of the Five Rings, I wanted to give a brief overview of what I played. For it was my intent to only play games that I've never really had a chance to play before, and some of the games I don't get discussed much on the show. And again, sir, I salute you. Mm-hmm. I think that cons, that's the place to go and try out new games. I may have said that before on the show. Yeah. I'm not sure. Yep. I've said it all the time. First was Swords and Wizardry. A great game with a feel of those early versions of D&D, or at least what I've been told those early versions felt like. The scenario was fun, and I can't really identify what the differences are between it and, say, first or second edition, because it was far later to the game than... or Because I was far later to the game than many of the OSR community. I grew up in the reprinted second edition books, sometimes called 2.5, but having no friends who played back then, I didn't even get my first D&D game until high school, when 3.0 had been out for a while. Game 2 was Call of Cthulhu. Sadly, the GM for this game was out sick for the convention, but he was part of the organized group of GMs, one of whom ran us through a different module. No big deal. I just wanted to play the system system at long last. I wasn't counting on some specific scenario or scenario. 
being uh, that it was called a Cthulhu, we all got turned into a bloody pulp within the first two hours. So <laughs> as an added bonus, we got to experience the system's character generation rules for a second Call of Cthulhu scenario within the same time slot. Oh, that's nice. We won the second game because we just decided to play it safe and light and everything <laughs> was on fire without question. Uh, <laughs> that always works. Yeah, Cthulhu. burn it down. I'm going to light it on. Uh, well, it, it looks weird. I'm going to light it on. I'm fire. running out of the building now. And, and throwing I'm, my torch right. into the right. pool of gasoline. Do I have my lighter with me? Oh, no, I dropped it in the last fire we stepped. <laughs> uh, the final game of the, of the day was the Star Wars Age of Rebellion. Stu is right on that the dice don't take that long to get used to. But what is still tricky to me is translating the various results into what happens in the narrative. As an example, consider a case where <clears throat> you roll one failure, but four advantages. Right. I'm supposed to fail... But something is supposed to go really well for me. Although the game was fun, I think I need to a lot more experience before giving it a thumbs up. I also feel uncomfortable with the setting because although I enjoy the original movies and even read one or the novels, one or two of the novels, everyone knows more about Star Wars than I do. What the hell is a Twi'lek anyway? It's a tentacle, people. Take a drink. Yeah, there's a couple of them. It's, if you've ever watched Clone Wars, it's a, it's a tentacle people with French accents. Uh, if you've ever watched Rebels, uh, she's a pilot. Yeah, but she doesn't have a French accent, so no. I don't think she was born on the home planet. Because all the other ones in Clone Wars all have French accents. If you ever watched the movies, uh, Ula, the dancer who also falls in the pit with Luke, right, is a Twi'lek. Yeah, she's the. Does she have French accents? She's she doesn't actually, have any lines. Well, she's actually kind of naked, actually. If you ever look at her well, dancing, yeah. she wears like a yeah thing piece of fabric. Yeah, it's, it's like it's a Borat suit. It's yeah, but <laughs> but it looks much better on her. Yeah, <laughs> she's yeah. All, a lot of geeks early on were like, "Who is that?" But anyway, she's a Twi'lek. The second day, I had a morning game of Fiasco, which for which the GM never showed. Damn this it! Is, this is a trend happening with this dude here. Well, the first guy was sick. You can't blame the guy who was sick. Yeah, but okay, I and the and the, the the organization brought in someone else anyway. All right, but no, just not showing up for fiasco. Morning game on the next day. That's the problem. The guy was probably sleeping in, hungover. Maybe hungover, or maybe he had a, a game until one or two o'clock in the morning, and he, he thought, "Oh, I'll do a nine a.m. slot," and didn't make it. If I commit to a game, I show up. Whether I'm hungover or not, don't I mean, run a don't run a game on sun, Sunday at nine, at 9 a.m. Did yeah. you miss a game? No, but I I I ran a couple games where I felt like hell. Uh, <laughs> fair enough. I wouldn't do it. All right, so morning game of fiasco. The GM never showed <clears throat> that fucker. Fortunately, fiasco doesn't require GM. Ah, ah. since <laughs> I was sent to GM that evening, I have my tablet with me, and I found a PDF of the playset and signed up for. Or we signed up for. I also had a copy of the Fiasco book and a boatload of D6s. So, game on, bitches. This was one of my convention hottest. You know what? That's, That's awesome. awesome. I'm not yeah. sure I would step up to like that. I'm like, well, fuck it, I'll go drink. Uh, so anyway, this is one of my convention highlights because not only did I become a real-world hero in a very small way, but we all had a fantastic time playing a truly hilarious role-playing game. You can pause here to debate whether you're really whether it's really a role-playing game, but my vote is that if you're going to play or if you're going to count Fate as an RPG, you should probably count Fiasco as well. Fate has a GM. Uh, yeah, and we play. Have you played? It Fiasco? depends. I've not. It depends how you define a role-playing game. 
Yeah. It, I mean, I when 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 I think of a role, I've talked, I've said this before. When I think of a role playing game, I don't just think of the literal words role playing and game. I think of otherwise, you end up with a bunch of hairy people in like leather whipping each other in maybe and shit. Yeah. Maybe. Oh, but, but role playing game, as I understand the phrase, has a GM. Sorry. Fair enough. So but it could be a role playing game if you think it is. You're not wrong, but don't tell me I'm wrong. So a game show is a role playing game, huh? If you have a GM, yeah. Well, because you know when when uh, no, that's not the only <laughs> defining characteristic, but it's, oh. I think it it, it is, is one of the right. defining defining characteristics. There should also be role playing, and there should also be a game. Okay. Next was Thirteenth Age. I know, I know. I'm I'm sitting here, I'm, I'm digesting that and trying to think about that. But uh, <laughs> that's just the way I, when I think of a role playing game. It's a role playing game. Yeah, I'm. I'm not arguing <coughs> with you. I'm just trying to think of like an example of. All right, never mind. I'll carry on and read the. It's a long email. We still got more to go. Next was Thirteenth Age. It was very fun and great hybrid between a modern D and D fantasy game and a narrative based game like Fate or Cortex. It seemed to have taken a <coughs> lot of what did work in Three E and Four E and thrown out the rest in favor of a more story driven game, which is awesome. Having played Four E and a little bit of Three E, that yeah. There's a lot you could throw out. More yep. story, less mechanics. I don't know how much of my experience was built into the rules. I don't know how much of my experience was built into the rules and how much was just our fine GM. So I'll have to investigate the rule book before passing judgment. Now, this is the point where I was in serious time crunch to finish prepping for my first game. So naturally, I went to the dealer's room. Once there, I discovered and quickly fell in love with... Dungeon Crawl Classics RPG from Goodman Games. I'm already stretching my word count as it is, and here are some of the points that sold me on it. The magic system is wildly unpredictable, and your wizard can start sacrificing his physical well-being to amplify the power of spellcasting. Excellent. That's like Gerbs does that, too. And then he has a dot that has nothing. So, right. obviously, he's... there's yeah. Right. Rather than min-maxing doing character creation, you can run a horde of straight-down-the-line 3D6 PCs through a meat grinder. Whoever survives is the party and graduates to level one. I kind of like that. Yeah. Uh, the book is full of, one, awesome tables to roll on, and two, kick-ass artwork that really screams old school. Mm -hmm. All right, so that's the end of his list. What's great is that it's not a clone of old D&D game and rather a built-from-scratch <coughs> game that is designed to emulate and feel of the literature that inspired the original D&D, and I've managed to totally immerse myself in in an amazing online community of DCC RPG. <laughs> it's a dungeon crawl classic role-playing games has inspired on Google+. Plus. Seriously, you guys. Oh, crap. I spent too much time on the dealer's room, and now it's time to run dogs in the vineyard. Fortunately, Vincent Baker, the game's creator, has some excellent procedures in his book for creating game scenarios. So, I actually had my situations all laid out well beforehand with relative time invested. Relative relative little time invested. Character creation at the table was highly engaging with its initiation ceremonies. Mm -hmm. Initiation? Okay. And so we ended up getting a feel, having never played Dogs in the Vineyard. You have. So I don't remember sense. doing that. So we ended up getting a feel for each character in the setting as a whole. I would compare this to Traveler Character Generous, except that it was far more dramatic. Maybe we did. I don't remember now. 
Uh, I think we you did. I remember you were talking about how cool it was that you came <clears> up <throat> with these various characters all right there on the fly. We did come up with characters on the fly, but I don't know if we did an, an initiation thing. Okay. I, don't, I don't remember. It may not have been called initiation. I had an awesome group of three players who were really, really got into the characters. They discovered that the natives had been targets... <clears throat> have been targets sickness and demonic position because of the sinful deeds of the crooked shopkeep in town. This was only a small portion of what I had planned out. But by the time they met up with him, something amazing happened. The players started arguing over what to do with the shopkeep. I love it when that They happens. started having a long, heated discussion over his fate. My first urge was to try and to push through his, this conflict so we could move, to the, move the story No forward. way. Until I realized... I was witnessing something awesome, like a fire had caught, and it was burning all the way on its own. The heated discussion between the characters started off as a verbal conflict, and then a fistfight. Guns were even drawn. Awesome. I was amazed that such a simple scenario, not even half of what I prepared, had inspired some awesome, tense role-playing. We wrapped at midnight and agreed that a great time was had by all. And yes, sir. That's Excellent. Brilliant. Good job right there. I love it. So he's caught. He's caught flat-footed. He's like, "All right, uh, my players are having way too much time." Other day. Oh, wait a moment! <laughs> right? Stop! Oh yeah, what you you let Listen. that shit go? You let that shit go? What was the it? Players Bill, said, are... Bill said the other day, which is like uh, when we when on his on his GM screen, he wants to have stop, listen, and uh, he had he had three words, which is basically. Sometimes, sometimes you have to step back as a GM and just watch what happens, and sort of like, you know, put the brakes on and let that stuff play out. Oh yeah, you have to remind yourself too to let that happen because mm -hmm. it is it is like, well, we're running out of time here. Let me let me move the story forward. And well, no, there, if they're having the fun, story is happening in front of you. Yes, <laughs> but you need to remind yourself right, that that's yeah. okay too. Uh, the L5R game was just as surprising because although it was a pre-written module, I was able to get system newbies, two of whom didn't even know what to expect, to immerse themselves in an investigation. They eventually started considering what their actions would mean in terms of gaining or losing honor for specific families. They had a few moments where they had to stop and discuss the moral implications of their plans. Pause for more exclamation points. Yeah, the players had to stop and think about their actions. Ho ho! Right, that's the best part of L5R. <laughs> that's, yeah, right? You mean if I just kill people indiscriminately, it fucks shit up? Oh, shit. I mean, dishonor me and dishonor my daimyo? And everybody? Uh, I'm, uh, my one regret is that I added an additional bandit encounter in response to a playtest that went way too fast. Okay, he also says he playtested this, so good, for, good right. on him as well. <clears throat> While this helped inject some in action, the dice decided that one of the players should have been killed outright before he even got a chance to act. Damn. We all know how badly the the uh, this was wounded, but I just hand waved it and said that he was out of the fight until he could recover. I felt like I was cheating by forcing the player to stay alive, but it's a con game for you. So. That's you know what, and you you're not wrong. No. I mean, if you if that were to happen in a in an ongoing uh, campaign, then then I would say, you know, let the chips fall where they may. But we're going to get game, people to argue it, especially early on. Game. Right? Come on, the early guys. On. The guys signed up for a game, right. exactly. So unless you're going to let him, unless you got a backup character for him to play. Sorry, dude, you rolled all wounds, man. You might as well just pack up and go home. It's like, fuck you. Right? That's that's a douchebag maneuver. 
It's like, uh, okay. I think you handled it brilliantly. That's yeah. exactly what you should have done. It's like, you're too wounded to fight. Uh, yeah. Good. Good on you. So, now it's time for an actual question, inspired by my Dogs in the Vineyard game. That game was the first time I'd witnessed real inter-party conflict in character, of course. Previously, I'd only been exposed to mild arguing and outright horror stories of thieves backstabbing paladins out of spite or, or having fun at another player's expense. What examples do you have, if any, of inter-party conflicts actually making the game better? Do you have to... Uh, Stu has lots of these. Do you ever plant the seeds of inter-party conflict yourself, as a GM or as a player, or do you feel that it's too risky a proposition? Sorry for the long email. So take a drink, restore lost stamina. Cheers, Dan. Monkey, backwards, on the forum. One, the group of multiple... This is the footnote. Right. A group of multiple GMs was We Hate Bards based out of Grand Rapids, Michigan. They have a podcast and everything. I haven't had a chance to check out the episodes yet. We so hate they might okay. be shit, but they we were don't great know. people, and I want to plug them anyway. Well, they stepped up, and you got a game out of it, and that's yeah. awesome. Yeah. Back to his question. <clears throat> I'm, the next GM briefing is going to be kind of about this. Um, and, and I actually was coming up with that before I got this email, uh, and that is, do you have to build a party that works together well? Why Why is that an assumption? Because of D&D tropes, and you're exactly. stuck in a dungeon for but a long, long time. When we're not playing D&D. And, okay, and the logistics of, if you have a bunch of people that don't look it together, they may not stay together. Right. And well, now you're now you're running three separate games. Well, no, well, then you you have to have some reason that they are together. I mean, there, there has to be some something yes. that's binding them together at yes. all. Either they're all part of the same family, or whatever the reason is. They're all stuck on the same island. Whatever the reason is, you have to come up with some some reason why they're all together. But I now, when I make con game adventures, I try to make sure there's some kind of conflict between the player characters. I know. I'm not afraid of that. You've I, I like that. that. You've always <clears throat> loved that. It's part of the story. To me, it should be. And it also, that gives players a golden opportunity to role play with each other. Because yeah. if they're all agreeing, there's not a whole lot to talk about. Right. But if they're in conflict, if I'm my character is loyal to this guy over here, and the other character doesn't trust that guy at all, you're going to have conflicts when it comes down to the time when we have to decide, okay, are we going to trust this guy? Fuck no, we're not going to trust him. He's going to backstab us. No, I think he's great. I mean, I, we, same thing are, happened in my Star Wars game. I was going to say, well, right. not your Star Wars game, but I was going to say we've already maybe spoiled enough of Bill's Star Wars games. Well, no, but I, I had a... In the, the game I ran at the Minicon, there were two characters that had this conflict about their patron. Right. Uh, that was the other thing right. I was going to bring up, is you actually built into that game. Yeah, I built the characters. All of those to, characters yeah. had issues. They, uh, they, they either had a strong bond with someone or a conflict with someone. They didn't all have a conflict with someone, but I mixed it up. It's like, okay, this person over here fought in a war with this person, so they trust each other implicitly. But this guy over here and this guy over here, they actually tried to kill each other once. Well, it was a long time ago, but neither of them are really over it. You know, these two, they used to be an item, and now they're not. And, and you did that with Blue weirdness. Monkeys as well. When you yeah, Blue Monkey is, is, is basically, it's two parties of three characters. There's the, the, the American Space Corps and the British, the British Space Corps. Oh, yes. Or, or the, the Royal Space Corps. Yes. And 
There's a cap, both of them are captains, but one of them, it's his ship, so he's kind of in charge. And in both cases, they have rivals. Everyone's got a rival. Or uh, an equal. Right. That, that would be their, yeah, their polar opposite. And I, mean, I don't think there's anything wrong with building that into a, into a game, especially a con game. It, when you're talking about a, when you're talking about a, a, a campaign at home, when your players are making their own characters, that kind of stuff, it's going to happen if the players are comfortable with it and if the players think about it. Or if you have good players that yeah, do it, that kind of thing. Who just naturally, over the course of an adventure, just the way their characters build, it's like, oh, no, I, 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 can't, I like, can't sit here and watch you guys do like that. Like Trig, for example. He was, he was, the way I rolled that character up, there was just nothing redeemable about him. Right. His backstory, everything. And I was like, this dude's a scumbag. Right. <laughs> And I gotta say, it was hard to play. It was because I'm a joiner by nature, and I right. want to just like help. And that guy was not helpful. No, <laughs> but I mean, inner party. Con- we I don't want to spoil it, but at the like like you were saying at the last traveler game we had, which will probably be up in a week. Or I wasn't two. gonna say the last one, but the but the couple before. <clears throat> well, at the last one, there was a big conflict yeah. as well. Yeah, I mean, it's like, wait a minute, what's going on here? I was thinking specifically the one where Trig left, where you were you were targeting someone, but you didn't actually say who. Right. Well, I know I'd thrown a note to Bill. Yeah. About who yeah. I was targeting because there was some interparty conflict there. You were like, I just wasn't sure. Well, but right. you didn't trust two people. That's correct. <laughs> and one of them the was a the player character, and I didn't just because he was a player character didn't mean I trusted him more than the other guy. Exactly. So I mean that kind of stuff is interesting to you. Now, I, I do think that there are people who are like might not be comfortable with that kind of conflict. Uh, absolutely. And if there and that's maybe something you should talk about before you start the game or maybe even during the middle of the game, let's stop for a minute what it happened in our D&D game. Yeah. Bill wanted to sell Bruce's character <laughs> to a sultan or a pasha. <laughs> Bruce is like and and, and he, so he says, "Okay, let's have a conversation before we do this." Will you be okay? Like, will you, Bruce, be okay if I sell your character to this guy? I just, yeah, get as much money as you can. <laughs> and on we went. So, um, And I could also see it, you know, the opposite end of the spectrum. Was, but you, you get the wrong player in there, you might be real butthurt. Or, it. yeah, <clears throat> you know, and, and he does say that in there. It's like, because sometimes people can be vindictive towards other people. And sort of they, it's all got to be in character and it cannot be personal. And it people can. can't be bringing their own personal shit. Yeah, yeah, that's the thing. Yeah. It has to be baggage free. But unfortunately, people read stuff in. Drama in the role playing games in right. world? Oh, I find that hard to believe. All right. Uh, last email. Is it last email? Last email. Sir Guido. I left it for you. GM Horror Story. Gird, ah! gird your loins, douchebags, gentle douches, and lady douches. Oh, come on. Where's my fart? <laughs> That's a... I don't want that one. I want there we go. There we go. <sighs> Timing. Uh, before we continue, I urge you to take a very long, sloppy drink. Timing. Oh. oh, is that sloppy enough? Oh, it's <laughs> <laughs> not like the soundboard. So there I was, a naive twenty-three, twenty-four, something like that. That's not a sentence, but that's okay. Uh, having played RPGs at that point for many years, I had not yet ventured behind the screen. I found myself without a group, a coworker. Upon seeing me reading my L5R book on a lunch break, urged me to run a game of it for him 
as it seemed very cool to him. Now, okay. Now, have, I'm reading an L5R book at work. A, nobody getting, would know what it was. You're getting beat up. And B, I would be humiliated. <laughs> and it, I, nobody would know what it is. And right. if they asked, and I would explain it to them, they would look at me like, uh, a game? You is certainly it? wouldn't end up in a game. No, no. not at all. That's so. My shoulder is killing me. But that has nothing to do with this. I took <laughs> ah, a, the absurd non sequitur. I took That's a yoga, I took a yoga class during the week, and it was. Uh, Did you give it back? It was uh, an advanced class, and the woman who did the class is like <laughs> she's like 120 pounds, and probably oh, like uh, you know you could probably bounce a quarter off. She her was stomach. like <laughs> she was like maybe 60. I'm gonna yeah. guess, and was had the body of a gymnast. Yeah, right. she and was she literally bounced from from was, pose to pose. It was probably Nadia Comaneci. You just didn't. She just has no, an she American was, name. Uh, Nadia Comaneci was kind of tall. She was not tall. But um, I left and woke up in the middle of the night in pain. <laughs> and I've never had that from a yoga class before. Wow. Yeah, I'm, I'm not ready for that one again. Lackadaisical <clears throat> <laughs> L- uh, dying dog. That's going to be your, your next move, right? Where you just lie there. <laughs> Lackadaisical dying dog. That's well, well, there, be your there, there's Savastana, which is the corpse pose. <laughs> That's what it's called. You just lie there? Yes, it's exactly what you do. I call it the nap pose because I sometimes have been known to maybe doze off. In the middle of yoga class? Oh, it's at the very end. You've just finished this thing. There's soothing music on. There's incense going. They turn the lights down and everyone goes into Savasana to meditate. And I have maybe once or twice (laughs) wet myself up. It's the nap pose. <laughs> <laughs> what? I love the fact there's still deniability. I, I maybe. <laughs> it's my favorite part of the session. <laughs> Who made that noise? <laughs> See, if I didn't have to be on my back, I wouldn't snore. I'd have a nice nap. <laughs> <laughs> Too funny. <laughs> I just, I can just see lying there too, and you're like, you know, spandex going. Wow, <sighs> <sighs> right. Classic. And they come back, put soothing oil on your forehead. It's nice. <clears throat> All right. Uh, now I have never once considered running a game. I had somehow convinced myself that I would suck at it, mm. and not just the way that a naive girl sucks. At hand, what? <laughs> I get what he's saying, <laughs> but you know it's still a hand job. So, right. Anyway, well, instruction I, I think is appreciated, right? Sure. Isn't it? Okay. All right. It should be, I think. <laughs> like, close your eyes, because oh, too late. How else will people learn? Well, right, right. Uh, Please move on. Quickly. Nay. I was completely and utterly taken by the, by the idea that any game I ran would be an, would be epic in its hor- horriditude. I think that's a word. Look it up. Not now. I disagree. Uh, after much convincing, though, I gave in. Only problem was that all the gamers I knew, except for this coworker, were currently not speaking to me for reasons I won't get into here. Well, that makes a better horror story, but okay, fair enough. So... To the internets. 
That could lead to another horror story. Yes. Uh, I found three complete strangers on the internet that were interested in role-playing in this system, and we invited them to my apartment along with a friend and a co-worker. I mean, what could go wrong? <laughs> you are a brave man. A compl- yeah. I, no. I, I spent months planning. I drew stacks of maps, created reams of NPCs, completely fleshed out an entire city. Yep, that's me. I do that too. My players would be the Yoriki deputies of the magistrate of said city. I even found the characters, a a charter online that outlined the duties of a magistrate and is Yoriki and had the players each sign a copy in character. Awesome. I love that idea. Contract. Right. Make your mark. Your little... Uh, Then we played. Intending the game to be as sandboxy as possible within the confines I had prepared. I asked the question, what do you want to do? (laughs) As God is my witness. (laughs) One player, we'll call him Munchkin, spoilers, uh, perused the charter and said, hey, it says here that we're supposed to collect taxes from all the neighboring lands. Let's do that. I put love it, it right there in the charter. I love Here's it. Here's a great idea. I'm going to put a bunch of shit in the charter that I don't want you to do. Oh, uh, shit. I, I, you know what? Let, let me give you a news article, and, and there'll be a bunch <laughs> of shit in there that's yeah, about a bear. bear. <laughs> Look, it happened twice now. There was a know, bear. That's... And the last time, I know. the last paragraph, what happened? Latched right onto right. it. Right. <laughs> it's got to be this. <laughs> I blinked. I blinked again. I looked at the massive D-ring binder full of prep and looked back at him. Outside the city? Outside the city? Yeah, man. That's awesome. We could fight bandits and shit. I sighed and literally took the binder and tossed it over my shoulder onto the floor and heard the munchkin giggle in glee. (laughs) (laughs) A a few sessions of dumb combat scenarios and some role-playing, which was always met with violence... I decided to fight back and send them on on this chased chase after ghosts. Ghosts in Rokugan are always malevolent and looking to hurt people. Yes. In my version, they were roaming the countryside. You know, I made a city, an entire dead city in Lion Lands, where those swords that you guys kept I finding... Know. Well, I seem to remember I not wanting to go to my uh, to the island. But no, it's not I, the island. That's not the island. This I know is it's not, not the, the island. island. I didn't want to go there because I'm like, there's we have this sword. We should go to this other place. No, no, no. Tyler and Kimmy decided to take the sword with me, and we went to the island instead. And I'm like, I and, had, and, and, and there was, we are, and it was full of ghosts. I'm and was, ghosts in in L5R are a bitch to fight. I was all ready for it. I know. <sighs> Remember? Do you remember how that all worked out? Yeah. I was outvoted. In my version, they were roaming the countryside in a pack and killing farmers. Which is really kind of awesome and creepy. Yeah. It's like the fog. This fog would roll in and just kill people. It's awesome. Yeah, it is cool. My group were tracking them down and finally came up on a town made up only of children. They explained to the party that their parents were all killed by these ghosts and they were all that was left. The party decided to defend the children from the ghosts and set up all kinds of defenses. That night, the fog came in, and they heard screams in the night and woke up. 
Finally, the night goes... Oh, you missed it. One thing led to another. One thing led to another, and a fight broke out, like always. No diplomacy, no thought, just steel. Finally, the night goes silent, and they go back to sleep. When they wake in the morning to clean up the mess, they find only the children, each one dead by their hand. They had unknowingly been overtaken by the ghosts and used them to kill kids. You know, the ghosts overtook the players. They had unknowingly been overtaken by the ghosts and used and used. used to kill the kids. Munchkin's wife starts to cry. Munchkin gave me a look of pure menace and says, what the fuck, dude? You made us kill kids? That's fucked up. They packed up their stuff and left immediately. The others looked at me and said, we play again next week? I don't know what to make of that because I think that is fucked up. It kind of it is. They had no agents. They had no. There was no saving throw involved. Or no, anything. no. You just basically made them kill kids. Yeah, yeah. A little bit douchey. A little douchey. And yet, <laughs> only two people left, and the others were like, "Cool." Who do we get to kill again? They so, were young. So where's the horror story in that? Is it because you fucked up and made it took away their agency, or that the players <laughs> are so fucked up that they wanted to kill more kids? Oh, I think no. I think this is a. It's his GM horror story. Yeah. It's his... Yeah. Big I, I, I'm, I'm puzzled. I, I, I like that. I want to, I want GMs to, to write in about their fuck-ups and what they learned from them. Right. And then maybe we, we can try to fix it, but I'm not sure we can fix well, it. Well, not even necessarily fix it, but what lessons they learned from it. Did they learn a lesson? I don't know. But... Right. So next time you write in a horror story as a GM, <laughs> tell us the lesson you learned. <laughs> There you go. <laughs> Should we end it? Wait, uh, what are you, tired of talking to me? No, well, no, I'm tired in general. It's 1014. Aren't you tired? I'm exhausted. I could do with time. a nap. I could do with some Savastana. <laughs> <laughs> I could take a little of Savastana right now. <laughs> right. <laughs> let, me, let me go put on my spandex. I'm like, <laughs> <laughs> I'll put on my yoga pants. Yeah. <laughs> I can sleep now. All right. I'm going to call it. All right. Thank you for joining us for Season 16, Episode 4 of Happy Jack's RPG Podcast. My name is Stu. Oh, it's just me. Stork. We won't be on next week, but we'll be on on New Year's Day, I think. If not, it will be on the the Friday after that. Thank you very much. We'll let you know. Uh, thank you very much. We'll leave you the song.
made of telly of a place dear to heart of each sailor and soldier both slovin and smart each face in that place is familiar and warm where each traveler weary retreats from life's storm tis this hub that we call home and from her we oftentimes may roam but our respite will find in a pint maybe nine in this hub Load, I'm suffering the chafing of my long winded road Entombed in the womb of this free house in Bath Her walls provide shelter from my wife's wicked wrath Tis this pub that we call home And from her we oftentimes may roam But our respite will find in a pint Maybe nine in this pub that we call home Hours when life sours and I'm weary and beat To the hopping and coughing I need to retreat With a pale cup of ale and my good mate's concerns I'm rested yet weary to the battle return Tis this pub that we call home And from her we oftentimes may roam But our respite will find in a pint Maybe nine in this pub The raging of aging in my last breath I crave Please pull up the floorboards and dig me a grave As you rouse and carouse, pour an ale on the floor If you listen with care, you may hear me cry more More, this pub that we call home And from her we all times stay wrong But our respite will find in a pint Maybe nine in this pub The preceding program has been a presentation of the Angry Folk Media Empire. Bum, 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 bum.